0: Iowa's offensive ineptitude hits new levels in a 54-10 loss to Ohio State. Two quarterbacks, no chance. We'll talk about it. An instant reaction podcast here on Locked On Hawkeyes. Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. i Trent Condon, and this is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day for you. Monday through Friday, and an instant reaction here after Iowa falls 54-10 to to Ohio State. The only touchdown in the game came from the defense. Joey the Bull was able to get into the end zone, a first fumble, and then a fumble recovery into the end zone as Iowa took a 7-3 lead. From there, it was... Was all Buckeyes as the offense couldn't get it. And uh, not only do we have, of course, locked on Hawkeyes for you every day, we got a lot more going on on the Locked On Network. Look around, whatever your professional sports team may be, they got you hooked up there. And also, uh, something that we're continuing to build as you look across the landscape is Locked On Sports Today, where you get the biggest storylines each and every day in podcast form. Locked On Sports Today, your second listen each and every day after lockdown Hawkeyes let's get into it and uh folks this was not a surprise by any means but it was frustration continuing you knew this Ohio State team was incredibly talented and they showed that the Iowa defense who has dug a hole so many times in the game you start with the first play from scrimmage your old Spencer out to his left something he hasn't been able to do for three years yet Brian Ferry used to do it and he throws an interception to linebacker who was just sitting there It wasn't a Guy breaking on the football it wasn't a great play by the defense. It was an awful read by the quarterback doing something that he's not capable of doing. And we've seen that now for 22 Big Ten games and over 25. Years. He is not equipped to make these plays. Yet Brian Ferris continues to try to make him make those plays. I would defense holds him to a field goal. It's three-nothing. They get the defensive score after that. But the offense in the first half, how about the first quarter? I win the first quarter of the football game had 12 yards of total offense. Four of those yards came on the fake punt from Tory Taylor. I know what Tory Taylor was there, but you could tell he was not exactly comfortable making the fake punt call. That was a call from his own. That was drawn up by LeVar Woods. I'm sure it was talked about. Hey, if they're going to drop everybody back and try to set up a return, you see a lane there, you can go for it. That's what he's trying for, but there were three players there for Ohio State. He did the the uh, head shot, if you will, the, the fake shot of the punt and got a defender up in the air, but... No chance on that one. Still, that was four of the 12 yards they had in the first quarter of the game. Petra struggles. Balls on the turf. Six turnovers overall from this Iowa offense. And then the second half starts with the new quarterback, yet the exact same thing. You know, you could see this perhaps coming, that they were going to do something like this in a game that was unwinnable, a game where you have no chance, a game where your offense is completely stuck in mud. Well, now it's going to be the time to trot out Alex Padilla for Spencer Petras. And here is one of the many reasons this is a problem. This is why you start screaming about why we haven't seen the backup until this point. They put him in when it's unwinnable, when there's no chance of a comeback, when there's no chance. You, know, you do that against South Dakota State. Yeah, they won that game, but maybe you would have had an offensive touchdown. You do that against Iowa State. Maybe you do win that football game. You do it against Illinois. Maybe you win that football game. Instead, you put him in this unwinnable spot, and you're left with this a guy that doesn't have a chance going up against an offensive line that is absolutely overwhelmed, a defensive front that is all over the place, and yet you still saw Alex Padilla show more than Spencer Petras. This is not to say that Alex Padilla is a great quarterback, that they've been sitting Steve Young on the sidelines and we're just waiting for the guy to get out there. That's not what this is. But with this offensive line being as porous as it is, you have a guy right now that can move. It's very simple. What's the upside? That was a question that Brian Ferencz, as somebody dubbed him today on Twitter, really made me chuckle, big brain Brian. Now, big brain Brian said, what's the upside? The upside is just that. You know, rolling out to his right. There were plays where he was eluding defender, something that Spencer Petrus just can't do. I'm sure he looks better in practice, but you can't look worse than he looked in the first half. But he wasn't better, but now where do they turn? You have your most winnable game coming up next against Northwestern. This is, of the remaining five games on the Iowa football schedule, this is the one, and maybe the only one, where was going to be favored in the football game. Might be favored against Nebraska. We'll see. Wisconsin could be a coin flip. Purdue, same kind of thing. Minnesota, look, they're all winnable games. They're also all losable games, but this is, by far, of the remaining five, the most winnable game left on your schedule. So you need to trot Spencer Peters back out there again. Or do you say, we need to look? Is Alex Padilla not just the quarterback for the rest of this year, but is he the quarterback for next season? And if you don't believe that he is, that's all well and good. (laughs) Excuse me. But come out and say it. Wait here. Should have been drinking during this game. Diet Mountain Dew just doesn't do it. Apologies for that. It's looking towards the future what it's going to be a lot this week i'm at a radio show the question has been posed as i was quarterback for next season currently on the roster and what we heard from a couple of the beat writers is no they believe it'll be a transfer portal guy that they're going to go out and try to get somebody from the transfer portal and make that happen okay that's all well and good now anymore you gotta also pay for one of those guys right you have to have the ability in the NIL era to go out and spend money to get one of these players. And as Iowa equipped to do something like that, Kirk Ferentz, he wants everybody to be the same. He wants this to be very socialist. Everybody doesn't matter if you're the backup long snapper, or the quarterback, they are all going to get the same amount of money. Well, in today's day and age, that's not the way that it goes for quarterbacks. Is that something that Kirk is willing to evolve with? Well, you put all this together, the six turnovers, both quarterbacks struggling, very little run game at all. A bunch of plays that were left on the field, and you just look at the offensive system. And the offensive system, it's broken. This is what I've been trying to say now for weeks, and not even weeks, for years. The offensive system for Brian Ferentz, it doesn't work. He doesn't know what he's doing coordinating an offense. And the decision to double down after Ken O'Keefe retires, you had a chance to go out either hire a real offensive coordinator somebody that actually has a background calling plays coordinating an offense putting things together and understand how to schematically put things together in order to compete at a big 10 level of course they didn't do that because it's brian it's kirk's son that's not going to happen well you can go out and bring in a real quarterback and coach. instead they double down and they make brian the, the quarterback coach you think brian knows anything at all about mechanics of a throwing motion? Do you think he knows anything at all about the footwork necessary? Look, Iowa, for all 24 years of Kirk Ferentz, I mean, think of one quarterback that, short of Drew Tate, had great pocket presence. I mean, that's something that has been a struggle, and certainly here over the last 15 years has gotten even worse. CJ Beathard loved the guy. Pocket presence was brutal. And he go through Ricky Stanzi, he had that problem at times. He was better, I think, than Beathard. But even the good quarterbacks had that issue, and it's gone to another level now with Spencer Peters, a guy that just has absolutely no pocket presence, and you continue to see that time in and time out. Offensive line's bad, wide receivers are bad, and the quarterback play has been bad. But ultimately, it comes down to the guy running the ship, and that is Brian Ferentz at the offensive side. But Phil Parker, he's going to look up here, and he's going to see his defense gave up 54 points. That is the most points given up in the Iowa era under Kirk Ferentz. 23 years, now the 24th season. This has been the most that they have ever given up. And that's going to be frustrating. But that defense played their ass off against a team as talented as this Ohio State team is. And the short fields and the way that the Iowa offense just continued to shoot themselves in the foot with turnovers, with bad plays. Torrey Taylor did not have a good game putting the football in short fields. That defense played as well as you could possibly imagine. And they still gave up 54. Well, really 47. The pick six from Spencer Petras, uh taken off the side. Still with all of that. I mean, it held them to four field goals when they started in plus territory. Think of that. They started on the plus side of the 50 for Ohio State. And four times the Iowa defense was able to, to lock down and hold them to field goals. And they knocked all four of those through. Defense got gas to no surprise. What can be done? What can be improved? Those are the questions we're going to be looking to uh, take a look at here this week. Let's take a look a little bit deeper right now, and we will uh, go at some of the numbers. They're not pretty by any means uh, when we look at these numbers. And, uh, well, 5410, the final, as my wife is texting me right now. (laughs) I am going to text her back and let her know we're podcasting. All right, we're back here. Uh, Let's see numbers Oh, that's where we are eight first downs for the iowa offense they go one of 13 on third down one of four on fourth down these numbers are even worse than you could imagine they're a combined two of 17 on third and fourth down how it's the iowa offense 78 yards rushing 81 yards passing a total of 159 they were sacked twice three interceptions thrown they punted it five times, just a 41-yard average, as mentioned. Not a good one. Also, three fumbles in the game. Padilla comes in, his first snap. You know what would have been good? Maybe get that guy, your back of back, when he had the worst offense in the country. Maybe get him a couple of snaps. So when he takes that first snap of the season, it's not the horseshoe in front of 105,000 people. You ever think about that, Kirk? You ever think about that, Brian? Unbelievable. Just absolutely. It shouldn't be unbelievable, yet this is where we are. Uh, taking a look deeper at those numbers. So Petrus goes 6 of 14 for 49 yards, two touchdowns. He was, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> he was sacked two times. Padilla, 5 of 10, 32 yards, the interception off a tip ball. He was sacked uh, three times in the game. The running game, LaShawn Williams, he had 31 yards on the ground on nine carries. Uh, you had Caleb Johnson. They got tried to get him the ball more. I'm happy about that. 11 carries, 28 yards for him. Gavin Williams, four carries for 20 yards. 18 of them came on the third down draw play uh, that he ended up fumbling the ball, went past the first down marker, but it goes back to the spot on third down. And so they were short on that one. Then they punted away. Think of that, too. You're down. What was it at the time? I mean, you know, you start to lose track, right? I think it was 40 to 10. I, yeah, it was. I was down 30. Brian Ferentz, last week during his press conference, he had this big bravado speech about, I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to surrender. That's not who I am. I couldn't look my kids in the eye and do that. Rah, rah, rah. that that's what we got for Brian, right? So, this bravado, all this tough guy, you know, the faux tough guy angle that he goes with. And, and what are you left with? You put it on a fourth and one down by 30. And then what happens? They hit a 79 yard touchdown. And you still give up the touchdown there. I mean, just come on. It's it's untenable at this point. The frustration level, and can you pull yourself out of it? Look, this is ultimately a call that Kirk Ferentz has to make. That's what it is. And Kirk, at this point in his life, is not going to fire his son. Could he reassign him? Possibly. But for any hope of this, and just pulling this self out of what is going through and what we're watching week after week, and in this ineptitude offensively. The only hope is that Brian understands, and he does just that. He surrenders. He moves on. He takes a different job. And is he going to be paid just short of a million dollars to be a position coach in the NFL and use his daddy's connections to make that happen? No, he's not. He apparently loves the University of Iowa and the football program, right? Was born at the hospital back as a youngster when Kirk was an assistant under Hayden Fry grew up in Iowa City after Kirk came back to take the job in 1999. This is a guy that knows Iowa City, knows the university played. There's no doubt he loves the university. Well, if you really love it and you see how bad this is going, you got to check out. You know, there's times what's the old what's the old saying, the old adage? If you love something, you have to let it go. Maybe that's what it is. Because that's the only way that you're going to get out of this. Tip of the ball cap to the defense, the offense, where are the responses? No, another concern. So we've seen two quarterbacks, and they're, neither of them are very good, In Spencer Petrix and Alex Padilla. Now, again, I think a lot of that is schematic. I think that's a huge part of it, too, is the scheme just doesn't work out. But when you look at what they're going through at this point, you have a quarterback in Joey Labus. Get from Ohio. Can move around a little bit. Apparently last year on scout team, he turned some heads. Now, here's the thing that always makes me laugh when I hear that. On scout team, you know what the scout team does? The scout team is running other teams' offenses. Boy, these other offenses work really well. Now, we're going to run this crap system over here. Don't worry about that. But the ones that we run with scout team, those are working really well. Hmm, wonder why that is. That aside. Well, then last week, well, he hasn't closed the gap. And There's another quarterback, a true freshman on campus right now in Carson May. And next year, they'll bring in Marco Linez, And a couple years down the line, they got the kid from Florida that people are excited about. But if you have four scholarship quarterbacks on campuses, this is as good as you can do. This is an indictment on your recruiting. This is an indictment on you. If this is the best that you can give you, and we've had three years of this now, and this is what you continue to try it out, it's either your system is broke, which it is, and you've also done an awful job of recruiting the quarterback position. They go hand in hand. I think you can say again, another both sides argument that we have here. A very frustrating day. I understand it. We got you covered here with lockdown guys, all week long. We will break things down a little bit deeper. A rewatch. Yes, that will be coming your way to kick off the Monday as I'll rewatch this disaster once again, and we'll see just how bad it was with a second viewing that one. I might like going to have to crack open a beer for that as I'll do that on Sunday night. We'll be back with you on Monday here on the lockdown network again Also check out Locked On Sports Today. Again, each and every day, a chance to look around the sports world. It's a kind of old school look at things. You know, you used to jump on ESPN.com. This is a way to get all your great sports information in podcast form with Locked On Sports today. I'll be with you all throughout the week. The frustration continues here. It has been one of those days. We'll be back with you on Monday. Thanks for watching and being with us while you're on YouTube. If you're there, just hit the subscribe button if you can. Big help for us on the Locked On Network and Locked On Hawkeyes, what we're doing each and every day. That subscribe button lets you know when we're coming up live and when we post new episodes. Hit the subscribe button. Thanks for watching. I'm Trent Condon. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast.